Welcome to the Reticle Up Podcast, where I, Three Gun Kenzie, will be interviewing competitive shooters, hunters, fishermen, archers, entrepreneurs, and outdoorsmen. Come learn with me as I interview people from all walks of life, in different disciplines, all across the world, from novices to professionals of all ages. No matter what, everyone has something they can teach you. So come join me on the journey. Welcome back to the Reticle Up podcast. I'm excited to finally be back in 2022. Um, I'm actually here for my first guest, Dexter Bradley. He's a member of the Army Marksmanship Unit Action Shooting Team, and I'm excited to have you on the podcast. It's been a minute. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. I feel like I, yeah, I haven't seen you since Nationals, I guess, in October. Yeah. <laughs> Time flies. <laughs> it does. Cool. So I want to take it all the way back, like way before you were AMU or in the military. So like, where did you, where, where are you from? And like, how'd you get into this, this gun industry? Um, it's not really that long of a story. I got into it when I was pretty young. Um, basically my dad was the root of all of it. He showed me a video on YouTube and was like, uh, Hey, you, you know, we, we haven't, done anything for a while like i used to do motocross and stuff like that so <laughs> when i stopped doing that it was about three or four years and i wasn't doing anything so my dad showed me a video of uspsa on youtube and at that point i was like oh that's super cool i want to like go check that out and see what it is and he was like oh you know we do this out here at our local club every every month i was like yeah let's go see it so he takes me out and the thing that hooked me was the first time I saw somebody shoot a plate rack like mm -hmm. really fast in the middle of a stage. I thought that was the coolest thing. I started when I was 12 years old. My first area match was in 2009. Whew, that's not fair. You had quite <laughs> yeah. the leg up on competition, it sounds like. I've been in it a while, yeah. <laughs> so where did you grow up? Where was this? That, this was southeast Washington, so Kennewick, Washington is about two hours south of Spokane. Okay, okay. Did your dad have any clue, like, what would happen, like, and transpire after he took you there? Um, I don't know what his, like, end game was with that, but, I mean, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here, so. That's true, that's true. That's cool. I'm jealous. Um, So, like, when you were planning your life out did you always plan to go into the military or what was your like life goals at that point um early on i wasn't planning on joining the military um i was planning on going to college getting a degree i originally wanted to get some kind of engineering degree and you know things morphed from there it, it's like it's like everybody else nobody really knows what they want to do and then uh once I found out about the AMU, I was like, oh, I want to do that. So I did everything I could to get here, and here I am. How does one even end up in the AMU? Like, any Joe Schmo out there, like, how does that even happen? It's a long and drawn-out process. It took, it took me 10 years for them to even consider me. They wanted, they wanted my whole 10-year resume of all the matches that I've, you know, competed in and had a major finish in. So they wanted all of that history. They wanted to 
correspond with me over emails and text messages and phone calls. And then uh, after about a year of doing that, they brought me down for a week and I had a tryout with them just to spend some time with them, see how I was. You know, they wanted to see if I meshed with the team really well and uh, just kind of feel me out as a person. And after that, three weeks later, once I got home, three weeks later, they were like, yeah, you're hired. Ah. So they sent me a letter of acceptance and orders to take to a recruiting office. Wow. So are there like spots available that they fill? And if they're full, there's like no way for someone to get on the team. Like, how does that work? I mean, pretty much. So there is a there is a certain number of people that we can have on the team. And once that quota is filled, we can't really we can't really have any more than that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, for those listening that maybe have no clue what the AMU is, do you want to explain like how it started, why it started, what you guys do? So the AMU was started in 1956, and basically our goal was to bring ourselves onto the world stage at an Olympic level. So that's why we have the the AMU shotgun team. They go to the Olympics, you know, every every time, and they usually end up getting a gold medal cool. when they when they show up at the Olympics. But the main reason that the AMU was founded or created was to um, basically directly compete with the Russians because the Russians had a competitive team that was on the world stage and we just, we didn't want that. We didn't want them winning. So we created <laughs> our own team and here we are. <laughs> our, our mission statement basically is to win. So when you're looking at like new guys, okay. So like, if someone's planning to go in AMU, maybe they're 10 years old, 15 years old, dreaming of this, pretty much they have to be competing at elite level. Like they have to start early, early. I mean, they don't necessarily have to start early, but they have to be to a point to where they're good enough to where we can actually get them to where they need to be, to where they can start winning. So like, let's say there's somebody that's in their, you know, mid teens, 16, 17, and they're starting to make a name for themselves. Well, we know who you are at that point. So all those junior shooters that are actually, you know, winning national titles as a junior, we already know who they are and we're actually paying attention to them. And it's more of like a small selection pool. I mean, the competitive shooting scene is not that very big. No, um, the action shooting team uh, only has four USPSA shooters. Gotcha. Like, it's all we have for USPSA, and then we only have four uh, three-gun shooters, and we just picked up a third um, PRS shooter. So with within the action shooting team, we actually have three different disciplines in the action shooting team. That's pretty cool. Is shotgun not part of that? I thought y'all do like air rifles, shotgun, like all sorts of stuff. So the AMU encompasses the shotgun team, the international rifle team, which is the, the air rifle team. We have the service rifle team and the service pistol team. And then we also have our instructor training group where their sole, their sole mission is to train the warfighter. Gotcha. So they, they spend time with us on the competitive side and they'll learn from us and then take what they gain from us and teach it to the warfighter. So that kind of like answers the question that somebody have where it's like, does competitive shooting really help somebody out in 
real life? It does. I feel like it does just because it increases your reaction time to everything. It helps you see faster. You can react to everything a little bit quicker. And it, you know, having the the manipulation skills to just manipulate the, the weapon efficiently in times of stress. Mm-hmm. Yep. Interesting. Uh, how long have you been with AMU? I actually don't even know the answer to that. <laughs> I've been with the AMU for three years now. Okay. Do you have like an expiration date or is there a length of time that you're allowed to be on the team? Um, as long as you meet your gate. So there's performance gates that are, uh, that kind of create a standard. And if you continue to meet those performance gates, you could stay indefinitely if you keep going. That's pretty cool. Okay. There's a few people that have done a full 20 year career at the AMU. Who are those people? And I'm sure I already know the names, but I'm curious. Um, well, one of them that just recently retired was our last team chief, uh, but he was originally on the shotgun team and has Olympic gold medals as so a shotgun shooter. So cool. I love shotgun. I think everybody should just go shoot shotgun competitions. Shotgun <laughs> yeah. is a completely different game. I've, I've tried it. I've dabbled in it. It's, it's very different. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. What shooting disciplines have you competed in then? Are you just strictly USPSA open pistol? Like, or have you done three gun or other matches? Um, with the unit, I've done one three gun match and it ended up being 2019 three gun nationals as my basically debut three gun. And they put me in my polar opposite division. I went from open to limited. (laughs) So you know, in three gun in open division, you can have dots and, and, you know, magnified scopes on your rifles and you can have mag fed shotguns. So they were like, no, we're going to put you on iron sight guns and tube fed shotguns. And then a rifle that only has a, a one power scope. Ooh. So nope, there was a learning curve. I spent a lot of time learning how to quad load a shotgun. <laughs> How did that go? Um, it was, I had to dedicate a day to just figuring out how to quad load. Like I, I went on, I went on to a bay and just took a case of shotgun shells with me and just worked on shooting four, loading eight, shooting four, loading eight until I was, until my hands hurt. <laughs> That's not very long. Now, are you, your strong hand loader? Yeah, so I'll put the I'll put the shotgun up on my shoulder and load with my strong hand. Yeah, I took a class with Joel, and I was always weak hand loading. And then he's like, "Try this," and my life became ten times easier. <laughs> yeah. Who knew? Um, so, what's been your favorite competition that you shot to date? Like over the whole time, what's the, what's your most memorable? Um, with the unit. Yeah. I would have to say the Pro-Am. The Pro-Am or the uh, three-gun match. Now, was it the Pro-Am this past year or the one where it poured raining and you guys had to push a car? Um, I, I don't remember pushing a car. Okay. <laughs> there was like um, a rental car and like everybody got stuck with the mud and the rain. That was kind of fun. Well, well, this one, This one was in 19, I believe wasn't that oh no it was in 2020 and um it was down at uh manny bragg's range in daytona beach oh okay okay i'm thinking of different pro-am i'm dumb because yeah 
I'm in a different world than you. Okay. <laughs> the the pistol pro. <laughs> yep. See, I, I got lost in tracks there. That's pretty neat. So for pro-am, like I've never shot pistol ones. So do you actually get to coach and mentor amateurs or how does that work? Um, no, it's more based on like the pros go against the pros and the amateurs go against the amateurs. It just puts you into a bracket. Um, it is really fun to be able to shoot that match because it's, it's sub minor, like you can run sub minor ammo, but no matter what division you're in, you can only have 10 run max. Haha. It's kind of like a legal play or equal playing field. Yeah. It's the great equalizer. It just hmm. makes everything even across the playing field. But the, I'd say the best part of it was all the steel is super close, super hosey, and the par times are pretty tight. So <laughs> you have to you have to figure out when to leave plates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where'd you end up? Uh that was my first pro am. I don't I don't remember the result off the top of my head, but I didn't win. So <laughs> in my eyes, if I didn't win, I, I lost. <laughs> if you ain't first, you're last, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> exactly. If you ain't first, you're last. No, okay. I first, I just finally shot a Manny Bragg match and it was absolutely phenomenal. Like the stages were super fun, super complex. It was not an easy match. Um, so like, can you explain like your favorite types of stages that you're shooting? Um, in what match? Just in, in that one. We can talk about that one. In that match. They had one there that kind of stuck out to me that was pretty fun. And you basically went through a, uh, he had a big like overhead cover. It was kind of like a shoot house, but it just had walls and windows everywhere. And then the inside of it was just empty. So it didn't have interior walls. It just had four, four exterior walls and you just ran around inside of it <laughs> in the fault lines and just shot through little gaps in the, in the siding. It was really fun. <laughs> That's not an RO nightmare at all. <laughs> No, no, it was completely safe. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> no, okay, then outside of that match, I guess, yeah, my question would be like, what are your favorite um, like stages? And then what's your weakness? I'm kind of curious. Well, I mean, <laughs> come on, weaknesses are something that you kind of got to hold close to the chest, right? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, favorite stages... I've, I've shot a few like really fun stages that kind of stuck with me. I haven't seen them ever since. I mean, cause you only see the, the one stage once, you know, you oh. don't get a chance to shoot them again, but every once in a while, somebody will take a copy of the stage and just change like a few targets here and there and, and set it up again. But there was anytime there's a lot of running I just, I've always loved those kinds of stages where it's like, go over here and shoot this and then run 20 yards over here and go shoot this. Like Gross. those are, those are one of my favorite stages just because I, I like to run around. It's fun. I don't know. Makes, well, I guess it's my like, like I'm going, <laughs> feel like I'm going fast. Fair. And then, I don't know, for weaknesses, I, you know, there's no such thing as a weakness in my opinion. It's more of just something that, needs to be addressed you need to work on so what do you need to work on well everybody needs to work on everything right I'm, <laughs> all, I'm trying to work on everything but something that i've always had an issue getting better at is i would say my weekend shooting but mm -hmm. th then again we don't do that very much no 
but it could be where things come down to too sometimes yeah so if if there's a stage that requires weekend shooting in a match and i know that ahead of time i'm gonna spend some time training that to make sure that when it's time to perform that particular stage i'll be able to do it efficiently yeah yeah um okay then i gotta know what's a day in the life of dexter look like like just a normal weekday yeah weekday what's the training what's it like like i want to know what do you do during the week (laughs) well i mean a, a good training week where i actually i'm not stuck training other people because we will actually get requests to uh train groups outside of uh like actually going and training people they will actually show up to our range and we'll train them at our home range um but a normal work day i show up at about 8 30 and um we'll do like our little clerical work in the morning like check emails and do any like mandatory training that we need to do and at that point if all that's done we'll call the range hot and go out to the range and start training what are that what is it yeah what does that look like after like when we get out to the range i'll you know we'll usually call the range in at nine it'll call in hot so being on a military installation we can't just put the flag up and just go to shooting right we can't just be like, oh, I'm going to open the gate and just just shoot. You know, you can't just go out there by yourself. You actually have to have what's called an OIC and an RSO. So you have to have a range safety officer and, a, and an officer in command or in control that runs the show. So you have to have a minimum of two people just to open the range. Gotcha. And they have to be a certain rank. So, like, I can't just go be the OIC. I have to have somebody that's a like a sergeant first class or a staff sergeant to be the OIC. Okay. And an RSO, the safety officer, has to be at least a sergeant, so an E5. Um, but anyway, once the range is open and we go out to the and we go out to one of the bays and we'll set up a drill or two, or we'll set up a whole stage and we'll shoot the stage a couple times and then we'll break it down into sections and shoot individual pieces of that stage in different variations to focus on specific skill sets. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll do that till about lunch break for hour, hour and a half for lunch. And then we'll sometimes we'll shoot till two. Sometimes we'll shoot till five. It just kind of depends if we're training for a big match or, you know, that's coming up in a week, then we'll spend a little bit more time out on the range. If not, then we'll cut it short a little bit. It just depends. Every (laughs) day is a little bit different. I've seen some of y'all's boards in there too. Like you guys keep each other competitive with timing and yeah. (laughs) Yeah, We we do have a drill board in there. that's just kind of like a, a list of basic challenges for the whole team. And basically, you get three chances per drill per day. Hmm. So, and you have to have a witness. You can't just you can't just go out there and and say, "Oh, I'm gonna do the I'm gonna do the drill." So, we have a drill on our board that's called the drill. It's two plate racks at like uh, the center of the plate rack is ten yards apart. So, the center of the left one and the center of the right one are ten yards apart. And then we have a box centered on each plate rack at 15 yards and it's a 10 yard run between them. 
So the drill is what we call it. You start in a box on the buzzer, you draw, you shoot one round, whether you hit or miss, you have to move to the other box. <laughs> shoot one round, whether you hit or miss, you have to move to the other box until all the plates are down. And then if one plate is left on one rack and there's no plates left on the other rack. And so like if I had one plate left on the left rack and nothing left on the right, if I shoot that one on the, on the left rack and miss, I have to run over and touch the box and come back. Like it's, it's a pretty brutal challenge. Yeah. By the time you're done with it, you're pretty gassed. Now, and like, I'm assuming that leaderboard like changes a lot. Like it's not one guy at the top all the time. No, uh, depending on what drill it is, there's a few drills out there that, uh, that I like, like an example, Jacob will do a, he did a one round draw, you know, from the holster at like a, a 10 inch plate at like seven yards in like a 0.56. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna touch that. <laughs> I can't touch that. But then I put up a drill. Well, not a drill, but I put up a run on a drill that nobody is going to be able to touch. Mm. Like I got done, and they were like, "Wow, okay, you just made that impossible for the rest of us." <laughs> and that one was basically a 25-yard plate rack from the draw. And you just had to shoot all the plates down as quickly as you could. I'm the only person to do it in under three. Nice. Now, is he, so, is Jacob still shooting irons and you're shooting a dot though? Like, is it not equal ish or? So Jacob, he switched over. Um, he kind of bounces back and forth between production, carry optics, and now he's actually getting into the three gun side of it. Nice. So he's enjoying three gun a lot. Interesting. Interesting. I think of what else and then like we when you guys yeah have major matches like you said that completely shifts so you guys actually do y'all set up the stages you know to prepare or just set up like the most hardest shots like no shoots or swingers or what does that look like we'll usually just set up if we if we look at the stage diagrams we'll look at the target profiles on the diagrams and if there's a lot of partials we'll start training a lot of partials or if there's you know, a lot of swingers that are one of those swingers where there's barrels on both sides and you only get this much, then we'll train a little bit. You know, it just kind of depends on what the match calls for. We'll, we'll address those. That's pretty cool. Okay. And the most bougie item you guys have, I want to know if you have any other of these, is that remote control plate rack resetter. <laughs> yes. Yep. Like that, what? Thing, that thing is amazing. I will say. That's not fair. <laughs> No, I mean, and they're they're not six uh, six six plate racks. They're eight plate mm -hmm. racks. Mm -hmm. So instead of six plates, you get eight, and we have two of them. <laughs> and it runs on a on a uh, air compressor that just that just provides air to a pneumatic cylinder. So we just push a button on the remote, and it sets all the plates up. That was the bougiest thing I ever saw um, when I was shot for a bending, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. That was probably one of the coolest things that we have right now. 100%. 100%. Are there any other cool gadgets like that? Not, not like that. Not yet. We've got some things in the works, but they're, they're not happening yet. So we're, we're waiting until we can get them in. But Yeah. Yeah. 
Interesting. Okay. So how many rounds a day do you shoot <laughs> to make people super happy? <laughs> that depends. So that kind of depends. If I'm, if, if I haven't been, so like we had a, we had an off season for the past few months after nationals, we had the multi-gun match that we were running. So after nationals, I was originally going to go shoot area two, but, um, they needed the extra help, so I backed out of Area 2 to help run the three-gun match because it was the same weekend. Mm -hmm. So once once that kind of happened, I just kind of put the gun away and never, never really touched it at that point. Yeah. Uh, because what, I, what I've learned is it's, ver it's very important to have an off-season, mm -hmm. especially when you do it all the time. You kind of have to have a time period where – it lets you reset. Yeah. Because by the end of the like by the end of the season, if you if you're like burnt out, it's important to be able to just disconnect from it because by the time the the new season starts, you're going to have that drive to get out on the range and get some good training in. Yeah. But yeah. round count wise, it just depends on what we're doing that day. Like if we have a bunch of stuff that's going on, I might not be able to shoot at all that day. Hmm. Um but if I'm able to actually get out and do some training, it's anywhere from 500 to 1,000. Nice. I don't shoot 1,000 rounds very much because um, we do have a limit. No. We don't, have, we don't have an endless supply of ammo, contrary to popular belief. Um, so we do have to kind of keep track of how much we're shooting so we can actually maintain enough ammo to last us the season yeah because we get a we get an allotment throughout the throughout the season and once we shoot that up we're we're done so if so, i went through my allotment halfway through the season i'd be done oh okay okay yeah. fascinating i feel like you're one of those people that probably has like a journal of like drills times matches ammo through guns like are you looking for the journal that you have <laughs> yeah it's it's not here that's why i'm looking around i don't i have two i have a drill journal and then i have like a uh it's a like lock book so i basically just break it down in depth and uh just go over how it felt and what i did and how many rounds i shot so i so i keep track of that kind of thing and then I have a little uh, book that has like grids in it, so I can actually draw some drills, somewhat to scale, <laughs> even though that doesn't really matter. But so you're saying that the Marine Corps uses crayons, and you guys use pens or pencils to draw? <laughs> hey, you said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> grids. That's cute. I mean, we do have three people on our team that. We're Marines. Marines, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, John Browning used to be on the Marine Corps shooting team. Yeah, yeah. You know, so but, neat. But they, the, the Marine Corps shooting team, they'll actually come over, like not, not the whole team, but some of the guys will actually come over and, and try to learn some stuff from us so they yeah. can take some knowledge back. That's nice. I would like to see them do good at matches. I really would. Yeah. Now, so there's camaraderie in that because we all know each other, of course. But do you all compete to be the best? I'm assuming. 
Well, yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> our 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 mission statement is to win. So, like, we we kind of have that desire to to be the best. Yeah, yeah, true that. Um, okay, on a separate note, I have to ask this question because it's been it's been cracking me up. Do you have any funny road trip stories with the guys like traveling these matches? Oh, uh, <laughs> sure, I do. Uh, I'm. I definitely have some fun ones, but probably ones that I don't need to talk about. <laughs> ah, is there any that you can share? <laughs> um, actually, when we went to, are you talking about like the actual like road trip itself? Yeah, or... why not? I think like in the car driving, like what do you guys listen to? What do y'all snack on? Like I can't picture it. <laughs> oh, that it's. It's kind of fun. We we try to make it really lighthearted and just have a good time. Like when we drove down to the to the uh, pro am a few years ago, two years ago, I think, or the the three gun match. Uh, that would actually be a better example. When we went to the three gun match, it was three vehicles. We all had walkie talkies in each vehicle, so you know the the driver or the passenger had the radio. And we would all communicate over the radio, and it uh, it got pretty funny. Um, but that one, we brought our trailer and our uh, like gator that we have to to uh, the match, so we could actually throw all of our gear on on the trailer. Oh, <laughs> yeah that that road trip was fun. It was a good time. Hmm. On the way back, though, the uh, the trailer blew a tire like we didn't even get out out of the like we got just barely outside the range and one of the tires popped Ooh. on the last day so uh, i wasn't there for that because it was it was three different vehicles again so it, you know it was two guys that were pulling the trailer and their drive went from like seven hours to like 12 hours <laughs> that sucks at least it was after and not like going to, I feel like though. Yeah. I'm, you know, it's a good thing that it happened at the end of the match and not before the match. Yeah. And you've flown all over the country for matches as well, right? I have. Yeah. Yeah. Do yeah. you like driving or flying? Are you a road trip person? Flying's better. Interesting. Flying's better. I hate I don't, flying. <laughs> I don't like flying so much anymore. I mean, with with all the mandates, mm -hmm. it it kind of makes it a little harder. Yeah. Not harder, but like less enjoyable. Yeah. Um, because you know, contrary to popular belief, wearing a mask on your face all day that's not good for you. No, 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 no. It actually, okay. is more harm than good. But I have more. I have more fun questions I've come up with. By the way. Okay, let's hear. Them. Okay, <laughs> out of everyone, not just pistol team. So on the AMU. Who listens to the worst music? Oh. Um, you know, that, I don't really know that answer because that one, everybody has their own taste, you know, <laughs> and what's, what's your idea of bad music? <laughs> Taylor <What>? Swift. <laughs> okay. Taylor Swift. I'm sure there's a few people out there that listen to Taylor Swift, but no, I don't know who they are. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. How about who were, who eats like the worst food? Like is not a healthy eater. I mean, on some days that's me. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. On some days that's me. I'll show up with like a, a freaking Philly cheesesteak and eat that for lunch. Be fine. It's not good for me, but it tastes good. <laughs> but you can perform on that. See, that's not fair. You're like a junior. Eat whatever. <laughs> oh, no. I, I can't <laughs> eat whatever anymore. I used to. I used to be able to do that. I can't do that much anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, what was the other one? Oh, I had it on the tip of my tongue. How about this? Like, who, who's the loudest snorer on the team? Um... Probably me. <laughs> Dang. Probably, probably. And the only reason I say that is because we have this, we have a running uh, understanding. We have an understanding. So in, uh, if there's more than two of us going to a match, mm-hmm. whoever, whoever snores uh, gets their, own like, room. gets their own room. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, you know, if there's, if there's three people, I'm usually the one that ends up with my own room. That's kind of nice. Although because you should be punished. I, like, oh. <laughs> it, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. kind of. But it's, I'm not, I don't care. I don't <laughs> see it as a punishment. I get my own room. That's what I'm <laughs> saying. You should be punished and you're not. <laughs> like, that's funny. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of a, a running, running understanding. Mm. Who's the worst driver? Oh, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. Okay. Well, and then I guess my last one is just, who's the funniest on the team? That depends. That, I mean, everybody's funny on their, on their own, like, level. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, it just kind of depends on what the conversation is. Cause like sometimes Joel's super funny. He'll make a he'll make a comment about something and just everybody lights up. Sometimes Jacob will say something and everybody'll crack at that one. Um the new kid Aaron, he'll he'll say some things that are pretty funny sometimes. Um <laughs> even I'm known to crack a few jokes every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm not one that uh will crack a joke very often, but mm. that's just me. Do y'all bond outside of shooting, like hang out with each other? We do, yeah. Um, there's some guys on the team that have property, so we'll uh, we'll host little impromptu like 22 matches, and we'll just kind of shoot against each other. So that that's kind of fun to do. It's lighthearted, fun, just yep. to have a good time. My favorite place is still uh, Joel's Petting Zoo, <laughs> as I like to call it. Joel's Petting Zoo. His dog <laughs> Merle. Merle oh. is awesome. They're just so cool. Like, Lakin's got all of those animals all day long. Like, they're so much fun. I know you got to eat them at some point, but they're still cute. Well, I mean, what, the chickens? No, they have chickens, like the rabbits. I mean, all sorts of animals. Yeah, they got a, they got a few. There's a lot of rabbits last time I was there. <laughs> when, last time you were there, were they, at the old were they in a smaller house or... In a bigger house. Yeah, they were at the old house. Okay, I haven't seen the one yet. Yeah, they, they moved from that one. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that's going to be fun. How do you move a whole Noah's Ark 
place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Their new their new house is pretty nice. Um, it's awesome. It's, it's, it's fun to have twenty two matches at that place. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, back to serious stuff. Um, how often do you actually dry fire? That depends. Um, along with all my other answers, it all depends. Um, if I'm in the middle of a training season, I don't dry fire that much because I'm shooting all day. Like I'll yeah. I'll shoot 500 rounds a day, and by the time I'm done, I'm like my hands hurt. Mm-hmm. I don't want to touch the gun no more. I'll come back and do it again tomorrow. Um, but during the off season, I will do my best to dry fire at least 30 minutes every day. Nice. What does that look like? Basic fundamentals. So it's going to be you know the the draws and reloads and like the the one step to the right draw, step to the left draw, those kinds of things. Um, doing like, I mean, I have an apartment that's kind of small, so I have to work with it, but I can set up like small lateral drills mm-hmm. to work on movement and stuff like that. But very very small and confined, but it it works. Yeah. Okay. So for people listening that have no clue, like me, how to move to a dot, um, what are some drills like dry fire, live fire, all of that, that somebody can go from irons to learn the dot? That's, that's a good question because there's so many, there's so many questions on that. We always get asked about how to, how do you get good from going to, you know, a front sight and a rear sight to just seeing a dot there's there's a lot of uh challenges that come with that but something that i found was uh at least challenging at least when i first started was on the draw you would point the gun and the dot would be there and that is basically just time behind the gun getting used to where the dot is in the window because with a dot there's no reference point you know with Iron sights, you actually have a physical reference point that you can see in your peripheral vision, but with a dot, you don't. And it, at that point, it's just more of a feel as to how the gun feels in your hand when you actually have it out presented to a target. But I guess something that I would focus on switching over would be paying attention to where your uh, where your gun is in relation to your eyes. So how that feels. So you can actually gauge where the gun is in relation to where the dot is. Because with irons, the the sights are right above the bore. Like there's no offset. With a dot, you have at least an inch. So switching from irons to a dot, you actually have to hold the gun lower. That makes sense. I'm dumb. <laughs> you have to hold the gun a little bit lower. And then if you're switching from a 2011 to a Glock, Oof. you know, the Glocks have that steeper grip angle. Yeah. And it's every once in a while, I'll, I'll pick up a gun, you know, I'll pick up a Glock and I'll be looking at the top, like I'll be looking at the top of the slide through the window, you know, just cause it's, it's such right. a steep angle that I have to find myself uh, pushing the gun down a little bit harder so yeah. there is a learning curve there's always going to be that learning curve but the biggest thing for me for uh at least recommending a, 
a decent way to get used to a dot a little bit quicker is just time behind the gun. Like yeah. get out on the range and get some rounds down range so you can actually get a feel for what the dot looks like. Do a lot of repetitions of draws. Like that's the biggest thing is just do a lot of draws because that's where everybody loses their, uh, they'll lose the dot on the draw because they don't pick it up right away. Right. So I would just focus on doing a lot of draws because it'll, it'll give you a sense of what the, what the gun feels like in your hands and what the angle of your hands is sitting at for the dot to be there. For the right presentation. Okay. Hmm. Um, trying to think. So like when you were going into this is way back in October, but like race gun national and stuff, what were what was your expectations for that match? Like, where did you think that you would actually place before the match? I was intending on top 10. Okay. And then you end up in seventh and open and one high military. High military. I mean, that's, that's not really anything to be bragging about in my opinion, because there's like two people <laughs> I mean, in the grand scheme of things. There's like five people that shoot in the military division. So like, do I really, do I really count that? You know, what did you not? count it? If it was like, um, Oh gosh, I was gonna say like Marine Corps or <laughs> other teams or no? <laughs> I mean, I'm not really looking for high military to be honest. I know. I'm looking, I know. For, I'm looking for the overall. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, high military is cool, but I still haven't got the the trophy for it. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. They said they would mail one that had like my name engraved on it. I never got it. You don't care. You don't care. You don't need it. <laughs> I haven't really tried to get it yeah so were you let down by those results or were you pretty excited about seventh um i was pretty excited by it because that's the best i've ever done at nationals okay i mean that that's not saying much to me because you know i've i've been doing this for so long i feel like i should be able to do that on the regular but sure uh, so yeah i'm i'm overall pretty happy with nationals Having the having the chance to shoot with the super squad made it made it a lot easier because now you can actually gauge your performance. Yeah. Like on the spot, you can see what other people are doing, and you are able to uh, like judge what your performance needs to be before you actually step up to the line. You have a yeah. pretty good idea of what it needs to be at. So, had you never shot in the super squad before? No. Oh, okay. So that's exciting. So you made, you make that in 20, what year is it? 2020? Or do they even have an, I don't know. I don't even know. But basically you make it the year before by placing top 16, right? Make it the year before. So top 16 isn't a thing anymore. It used to be because they used to have two super squads. Um, See, I've been doing this for long enough to know that they used to have two open squads. Um, because there was so many, they would do the top 16. Um, but now it's just one open squad and one limited squad that are the super squads. Um, but now it's just the top 10 that get to shoot on the super squad. Oh, that's low. That's limited. It's a little, it's tight. Yeah. Yeah. It's very tight. But you're set up for this year. So that's good. So you're still, still there. Um, (laughs) now, and I've heard from a lot of the top competitors, like, and like you kind of mentioned, I kind of wanted the vibe that they can kind of know how they're doing day one, or they can see someone else shoot and they know where, if they need to gas it, or if they need to like play conservative or what have you, or 
does that intimidate you? Like, are you ever nervous or is that just normal shooting with that elite level? So first stage of day one, I was like, I was bouncing off the walls. I had all this like pent up energy Mm -hmm. and, you know, nerves. I was very nervous on stage one because of my last name, B like B R A Bradley. I'm the first person to go. I'm the first person (laughs) on every single stage, like first stage of every match. I'm always the first person. So it's, I've learned to, you know, deal with that because I used to, I used, you know, that stigmatism of like, Oh, first stage, first stage jitters, you know, you tend to accept a not like not acceptable run. Like you tend to, allow yourself to have a little bit more deviation from your standard on your on your first stage if you're the first person yeah you you will tend to let your results have a little bit more fudge room yeah so i want to change this i want to be where the start of the match ro's like flip a coin like seriously flip a coin and then i'll tell you whether they start from alphabetical descending or ascending because i mean i'm typically towards the top two as fitzpatrick so i just want to see once it's never ever ever alphabetical by last name reversed <laughs> i've never seen it by uh last name reversed i've seen it random yeah but... like random but it's not as easy to keep up tablet tablet but i have done the reverse thing on a couple people because i'm like no it's, <laughs> it's always the same yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to change my last name and practice score. No, I'm just kidding. To like zebra. (laughs) Oh man. Okay. So I want to go back to nationals though. Like for, for you, like how did day one go for you? And what zone did you shoot? Do you remember? I was zone one. Okay. So our first day was all the way. So if you drove in to the, to the like main range, you had the vendor tent and all that it was all the way to the left of that yeah like as you're looking at the vendor tents so stage one was the stage with that like uh like that 35 yard activator for the swinger yeah yep um that that stage was a challenge to start on but um it went pretty well for me i was pretty happy with it good at least at least i mean i'm not I'm not pointing fingers or anything like that, but I've, I've been chasing after somebody for a while and he's, he's been beating everybody. So this is okay. You don't have to say you're going to drop zero names for me. I get that. You know, he, well, he knows who he is. Yeah. Yeah. So what wins did you take away from day one and like what maybe mistakes or like improvements could you have made on that first day? Um, Biggest thing for me on day one was something that I had learned at least was being consistent. So, I mean, every match is based on consistency, but something that I kind of was able to see the light of day on was like, oh, hey, I don't actually have to like burn everything down. I just have to be, you know, close enough and not have a train wreck (laughs) fair so are you looking at like tablets and time and like every single time someone shoots are you trying to like compare or stress yourself out or just kind of still do you no no no. i don't worry about that stuff only thing i worry about when i'm when i'm at a match like that is me 
Like at the end of the day, nobody cares about what other people do. They yeah. only care about what their result is. Yeah, I've tried to explain yeah. that to so many people. <laughs> you know, like people like JJ and Christian and, and Casey, they don't care what I do. Yeah. They care what they do. You know, because they're they're trying to win the match just like everybody else. Yeah. So, and they're not going to win it by emulating somebody else. They're going to win it by performing at their level. True. True, true, true. So, are you an AM or a PM shooter, by the way? Like, do you shoot better in the afternoons or mornings? It depends. <laughs> I, I'm going to write I you really a plaque, like, by the way, that says it depends. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, it, it, it varies for me. Um, but typically, I like shooting in the afternoon. Me too. Just because it allows me to get more sleep. More sleep. Process your body. <laughs> eat eat good food. Like it just it's a whole thing. <laughs> I don't I don't like waking up super early and being rushed to get out to the range. Yeah. So when we were when we were shooting nationals, we were AM PM AM. Mm. But the the better thing for that was we only we only shot in the dark once. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Meanwhile, SRO shot the dark twice, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so like, how did day two, two go? Like, what was your best day, by the way, out of the three? Day two, by far. That was day my two. best day. That was when you were in my zone. Yeah. Double days. Day okay. That, that was also the day that uh, somebody pointed a gun at me going down the highway. So. Why do I not remember this? I told you that. I know, I, and I just couldn't remember the exact happenstance of the story, but I remember that. That was not fun. No, that was not fun. Alabama's but a weird place. Alabama is definitely weird. I didn't think I was going to have some random dude point a gun at me going down the road, but, you know, that's just what happens in Alabama, I guess. We were just cruising down the road, and uh, some guy cut us off, didn't like a reaction that somebody gave him. Came back and had a gun pointed at me. Do you remember that? It's funny. It's not funny, but it's funny how I'm like, yeah, it's a day in Alabama because I grew up in Lower Alabama, so I've already like forgotten about that. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> That's not good. Not good. No, not really. <laughs> oh man, cool. So, so day two kind of gave you like the confidence, I guess, going into day three, right? Or where was your head at in, in day three? Did you have to push it? Be consistent? Like, where were you at at that point? For day three, I just wanted to maintain consistency. Um, I did have to push a little bit because I wanted to, I knew kind of where I was and I wanted to do just a little bit better. And it kind of bit me in the in the butt a little bit because <laughs> I, I had a couple issues on uh, two of the smaller stages. Like one of the timing stages that had the uh, max straps on it. Mm -hmm. in zone three yeah yep. that one that one wasn't my friend i didn't like that stage <laughs> i didn't agree with that one at all true i and I, like i get height over bore because i you know shooting rifles or three guns just so different in i don't know why shooting open i don't shoot open but i had to borrow an open minor gun for that match after you know burning two other firearms um <laughs> so, oh. yeah that was fun i was there for fun at that point um <laughs> So what was your mindset going into that final day then? 
my biggest thing was just to maintain consistency for, for day three, because I knew, I knew that I was in the grasp of top 10 and I was like, okay, I just, I just need to maintain that. I'm not trying to, you know, burn it down. And I'm also not trying to crash and burn. I was really just trying to, to maintain a consistency. And then you surprised yourself with top 10. Yeah. I, you know, that was the goal, and I, I set out to achieve it, and I'm glad I did. Heck yeah, super squad. Now, it, it showed me that it was possible. I was like, holy cow, this is actually possible. I, heck yeah. I can do this. <laughs> so, what are you going to put on uh, for yourself for this coming nationals? Top five? Top five, yeah. Yeah. So, it's just going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. Yep. It's just going to shrink in increments. Nice. Uh, I, can't how- just, I can't just go in and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to win next year. Right. You have to, I mean, I know that like you want to win, everybody wants to win, but it's really, but realistically, realistically, you have to have a little bit of a, a a grace, you know, a little bit of a a fudge room, I guess. Yeah. Keep in mind, I am going against Christian Saylor and JJ Rikaza and Casey Savior. I'm going against the best in the world. So it's, it's a tight field. Yep. And everyone's struggled everyone struggled everyone had misses like there it was not a easy match (laughs) well it wasn't easy i mean it wasn't it wasn't as hard as i thought it was gonna be maybe that's maybe that's just my opinion of it i feel like i've i've shot nationals that were more challenging than that but it was definitely not a walk in the park it was definitely a challenge yeah yeah Okay, so mental game. And a lot of people don't practice their mental game or prepare their mental game. How do you do that? Mental game is something that I've had to work on for a very long time. Um, and it, it came and went for really, like, throughout my, what, 15 years, I've been struggling with it. And then when I came to the unit, I had to learn how to take something that was a hobby mentally it was was a hobby and it was fun i had to learn how to cross the bridge of fun (laughs) hobby to serious job yeah you know i had to figure out how to bridge that gap and then be able to disconnect instead of seeing you know having that stress of oh this is a job you know my career's on the line if i don't meet the gates kind of thing Mm -hmm. because that is that is actually what it is hinging on it hinges on your performance you know so what depending on how how good you do you're either here or you're not Hmm. so there there is a a lot of stress involved but i you know i had to learn how to cope with it and basically disconnect from that Hmm. so how did you learn that like just practice books videos like shooting just shooting matches um, because those first couple of years I was, everybody saw it. it, you know, it was, it was a struggle for me for the first couple of years. I was fighting a, uh, an internal battle just because I was struggling with trying to bridge the gap from seeing it as a hobby versus a career. Yeah. Did you always compete against yourself though, or early on where you're trying to compete against, you know, other people? Like, did you ever um, do that comparison friend. game? If, if that makes sense, where it's like, you're watching someone shoot and you're like, Oh, I'm going to just try and do as fast as that rather than just 
playing at your level. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I'm, I mean, I have tried to race somebody, you know, <laughs> I've tried to race people before and it doesn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime I try to race somebody, it doesn't work out. But that's part of the mental game too. Is like, you can't compare yourself to someone that's put in more years, more yeah. time, more effort. And a lot of people it do is, that. It is a huge, a huge portion of it is the mental game because you, you can't compare yourself to somebody that has 30 years of experience. Mm -hmm. you know, somebody like, somebody like JJ or Max that have been doing this for 20 plus years. You can't, I can't compare myself to them because they have a, they have a mental understanding of it. That's so much more, uh, so much more precise. Like they, they have it down to a science to them as an individual. Everybody's different. So they have to iron out what it is mentally that they are having issues with to be able to walk up and just have a cold run. That's better than everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where did you compete like in sports before AMU? Like, were you a competitor in anything else in life? Um, before I did USPSA, I did motocross for a little bit. I did triathlons for a little bit. Ew, running, Dexter. <laughs> I'm in the army. I have to run. That's true. It's true. This I is why I'm running. not. <laughs> I hate running, but I have to do it. But you just said you love the stages where you get to run. Like, <laughs> well, that's different. That's different because that's a sprint. I'm okay with sprinting, <laughs> and it's it's more fun because when I finish running, I'm shooting. Like I'm, I'm making noises. I'm going, I'm, I'm making the gun go bang and, you know, having a good time, but <laughs> you don't think I, just about it. Run, I just go out and run two miles when I'm done with it. I'm like, that sucked. I'm done. <laughs> I, I need to, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I need the motocross photos. <laughs> I can't picture that. I was. That, that was a that was a long time ago. I was young. <laughs> that when I was like five to eight, five to eight or nine. Five? Eight. Can you imagine me motocrossing at five? I would have murdered myself. <laughs> That's when I started motocross. I was five. My That's sister insane. started when she was three. Is she okay? So is your sister older or younger than you? She's younger. Is it just you two? Yeah. Did she? I mean, is she following your? Or did she follow your career path or did something totally different? She, she went to Baylor university on a full ride running scholarship. Okay. I'm seeing the pattern of running again, but she's a really, very good runner. That's really cool. So whenever I needed to run, I would just try to run with her. <laughs> Sounds like a worse nightmare. Um, actually. Okay. Speaking of that, I did have questions about, the physical stuff. So what, what is the AMU's like physical fitness routine for everybody look like? So we don't have a set like, uh, physical fitness regime that we yeah. all have to stick to. We, we basically have the freedom to do our own PT at our own pace and on our own time. But occasionally we will have like a whole unit PT session, but that'll, be like a, a softball game or, a, <laughs> or touch football you know it'll be stuff like that or <laughs> um, 
couple of years ago on like on the army's birthday we did a uh unit run and it was like two miles but every time so it was a quarter mile track every time we passed a table this table had glazed donuts on it <laughs> so every time we passed the table we had to take a donut and eat it ew i've done going. one of these gross gross ew. A lot of people had a bad day that day. Yeah, I threw up at the very end of that one with my friend Marissa. That was really entertaining. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people were struggling with that one. Well, and then what's the ones where it's like you literally eat a dozen every stop? That's disgusting. Uh, <laughs> I'm not doing that. Wow, boys are not smarter than females. <laughs> you said that, not me. Okay, actually, speaking of that, is there? I thought there was one. Like, are there female competitors in the AMU? There are, yes. Um, most of them are on the shotgun team. Okay. We have a few on the international team, and we have a couple on our uh, service pistol team and service rifle team as well. Cool, cool. Um, are there different divisions like for that? Uh, do they compete in like a ladies' division or no? Yeah, there are different divisions for them to shoot in. Cool. So each like each discipline that they compete in will have a, a ladies division. Nice, nice. I digress. Okay, so you have a physical fitness routine with Krispy Kreme. Um, no, I don't. <laughs> I need videos. Uh, oh, terrible. But okay, but for for seriousness ish, or are you maybe you're not like this? Do you hydrate and like eat healthy or good protein or whatever like leading up to a match or not really? I, I try to, yes. Okay. I try to have a good a good uh diet and try to stay hydrated leading up to a match. Um hydration for me is extremely important because if you show up to a match and you're not very hydrated, you're not gonna be able to maintain focus. Yeah. Yeah. People don't you understand. Water to, you need water to run the brain. <laughs> well, and then these hot temperatures like in, in the summer for sure, you know people don't realize they need to hydrate days in advance, especially if it's three day matches and stuff. Like it's not, yeah. it's too late by the time you show up to the range. Yep. Yeah. So like for nationals, for instance, um, I was getting hydrated for that a week out. Yeah. Yeah. What are your range snacks? Um, those are anything from like, um, I usually keep like body armors or power aids, and then uh, sometimes I'll keep little like figs, but not the not like actual fig newtons, but like the nature <laughs> ones, the nature grain freaking uh, fig bars, yeah. or um, like some kind of protein bar. Gotcha. A lot of water. A lot of water. <laughs> but I, I do have to break it up with some flavor every once in a while because drinking water just kind of I have to put some flavor in it every every now and then. Like Mio? <laughs> what? Like what are you talking about flavor? Are you talking about like, like the liquid Mio stuff that you put in there? Or you just mean in general not drinking just water? No, I mean like throwing in a, a Powerade. Oh, okay. Like I'll drink water and then like I'll I'll drink some Powerade like throughout the day just to have a little bit of flavor and a little bit of a sugar bump 
yeah, yeah. Um, you gotta have that sugar, right? Mine are sweet tarts. And then when I travel, my friend, I think you know, Brady Hardin, he, uh, he chooses the gummy bears. And then we have a contest of who's better. Sweet tarts wins. <laughs> They're like crack. It's so bad. I hate, I hate, and I love traveling, but like that's my road trip weakness and pickles, but everybody knows that. So I also try to do like slow release protein. So like, the 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 jerky sticks yeah like the slim gyms because it's a, a slow release protein yep yep it just just makes it last a little bit longer there's a lot of people that just don't realize that's part of it part of the game so i was just curious um okay and then i had a question about something random so outside of shooting is there like a weird or different hobby or interest that you have that not many people know about? Not many people know about. Yeah. I enjoy working on my truck. I mean, <laughs> do you have a Ford? I have, a, I have an older, no, I have an older Chevy. Okay. Older Chevy. Ford. At least with Ford, they circled the problem. <laughs> okay. I have an old um, Chevy Silverado. My dad had an old, old one when I was going to um, high school. So, that's what I, I grew up with, the Chevys. Curious. I I grew up with Chevys, too. My dad had uh, two 1969 Camaros at the same time, and then he also had a 72 Chevelle. Nice. So I grew up wrenching on classic cars. Yeah. You know, so you're a car guy. I like cars, yes. <laughs> What's your dream car? Um... Actually, there is a company out out of my uh, hometown called uh, Shelby Supercar. No, they're not in relation to the Jared, or not uh, Jared, but Carol Shelby. They're not related to that. Uh, um, these guys make the, uh, their first car was the Ultimate Arrow, and it held the land speed record for a few years. Um but their latest car is called the Tuatara, and it's it's gone over 300 miles an hour. Wow. wow. It's a very nice car. Um, before I moved, I, I was fortunate enough to actually go into their shop and uh, sit in one of their ultimate arrows that they had sitting in the shop. Did you fangirl? Just a little. Just a little. I'm, I mean, come on. I get a chance to sit in a half a million dollar car. Of course, I'm going to fangirl a little bit. I love this. I love this. I mean, I, I only get to see you like so often, you know, it matches. So I don't ever get to see the other side of you. <laughs> That's cute. I'm a little bit of a car nerd. Yeah. Um, have you, have you been to like the Daytona stuff or um, any F1 races or anything like that? I would really like to go to an F1 race. Me too. I've, Texas. December twenty second or October twenty second this year in Texas, and I'm really close to buying a ticket and going by myself. So, I would, I would really like to go to one of those someday. Um, One of my best friends actually has been to a NASCAR race, Um, so he's got one of the lug nuts off the one of the cars. (laughs) So he had a pit pass and everything, and when he went to one of the pits they gave him one of the lug nuts after they did a tire change really that's kind of cool so one of the 
one of the lug nuts that ended up getting thrown off the car. Mm -hmm. uh, so on the pit lane, they would pick those up and he got one of them. So that was pretty cool. It's like hockey pucks at a hockey game. <laughs> yeah, it's like that hockey puck, you know. <laughs> um, so I thought that was kind of cool for him to be able to do that. And I would hear stories about like him sitting in the stands and he goes, everything shakes. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what that feels like. I don't know what the experience is, but he goes, you can't hear anything and you're just shaking the whole time. That's cool though. That's what car guys want, I feel like. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like the, the classic V eights. They're you know, the classic car V eights are pretty fun. <laughs> it's a whole different can't really, can't really go wrong with a V eight, but then again, I do like some of the I do like some of the uh like the Nissan GTRs, those are pretty cool. Um fascinating. That's that's like the poor man's supercar. Have you but, raced or drag raced or done anything like that? No, I haven't had a chance to do anything like that. Yet. Officially. Yes. Yet. Okay. Um, I would I've always been fascinated with the uh the top fuel drag cars. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, those those super long and skinny ones that have the little donut tires on the front. <laughs> have the have the motors that only last one run right, and they yeah. have to rebuild it and they're going over 300 miles an hour it's wild and like they're doing a quarter mile in just over four seconds yeah i i kind of geek out over that that's cool though yeah okay f1 if you ever want to go I'm, I'm going with you like let's do it <laughs> all right that'd be neat uh okay final couple questions here i guess uh so for 2022 this year um your goal is top five for for nationals do you have any other goals throughout the year area matches sectionals anything like that that you're working towards i do i would like to win a couple area matches um i did get the opportunity to get into the dragon's cup match so i'm looking forward to shooting that one um I, I keep hearing a lot of hype about that match. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that one. And then um, the Infinity Open, I'm going to try and shoot that as well. I'm trying to get into that one, mainly because there's a, a cash prize table. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, when somebody says that there's, you know, the winner gets a few thousand dollars, I'm going to be like, hey, you know, that, that doesn't yeah. sound so bad. Right, right. No. So that's where I get a little bit jealous. So AMU, you guys, like we pay taxes, go to you guys, you guys shoot ammo, then you win the prizes. <laughs> not fair. Hey, hey, we pay our taxes too. It's <laughs> <laughs> like not fair. <laughs> we pay our taxes too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it just goes right back to you. <laughs> it's a running joke. <laughs> I mean, it's weird though, because in in reality, so I'm paying taxes. So in a way, I'm paying myself. Yourself. Mm -hmm. Reinvestment. Yeah. Yeah, I'm reinvesting in myself, I guess. <laughs> oh, in a very it. roundabout way. <laughs> so yeah, so airy matches, uh, infinity. Okay, so winning these matches for sure. Um, what are you? How are you gonna work on it? What are you gonna do? Well, that's for me to know. Okay, um, no. so you have a game plan. <laughs> uh, I, I do have a game plan. I'm gonna try and implement some uh, new training methods this year. See if I can't make them stick. And. Uh, Hopefully it'll increase my performance by quite a bit. Do you take any classes outside of AMU from any other shooters or anything like that? 
I've wanted to, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. Okay. I was curious about that. I mean, we being in the AMU is really cool just, you know, because I have world-renowned shooters sitting next to me. Right. <laughs> I can literally, if I have any questions, I can just be like, hey, John, how do you do this? Or, hey, Jacob, what are you doing to do this? You know, it's, it's really cool to, to have that kind of information at my disposal, like, right next to me. For sure. Especially when you got to learn how to quad load a shotgun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had, you know, I had to spend Nate, Nate Stadskowitz. He's, mm -hmm. I've never seen anybody load a shotgun like him. It's amazing. Like, Watch. You can quad load a shotgun really, really well. So I, I definitely took what he had to say and took it to heart. Yeah. Heck yeah. That's awesome. Now, when when Dexter's AMU time is done, what will be next? What's your plan? Like, what what do you want to do with your life? I mean, if I could, I would like to try and stay in the industry. Um, you know, but that being said, I got to have something lined up before I yeah. before I end my AMU career. So you're okay with keeping your hobby a career forever? <laughs> well, think of it like this. Think of it like this. Don't think of it as a career. Think of it as never working a day in your life. A hundred percent. No, I'm living my dream. I get it. <laughs> I get it. I, I don't work. I don't work a day in my life. I, no, you don't. I show up to a range and I shoot. Yeah, it's not fair. There's so That's, few people that get to live that that life. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's very uh, it's very humbling to have this opportunity, and I'm I'm very fortunate to have it. I'm very yeah. I, I've I've definitely been very thankful for it. Yeah. Heck yeah. Well, I'm trying to think of any other final thoughts or anything else you want to leave people with. I got nothing. That's, nothing. That's on you. That's not me. Advice for newbies or getting into the sport or working in the industry. Um, this thing that I can say for anybody that's new is... It's it's always gonna be a struggle. You know, when I was new, I was it was an uphill battle. I was constantly fighting something. And I just had to tell myself, don't quit. That's the biggest thing. If you really like it and really enjoy it, don't give up. Because it will benefit you in the future. I like it. I like it. Now, how can people follow you online or on social media or the team? Um, so they can follow USAMU1956 on Instagram and it will, they will occasionally have, uh, have some posts about me or anybody else on the team, but they focus on the AMU as a whole. And then if they want to follow me specifically, they can follow me at DMDEX24 on Instagram. Um, Facebook is just Dexter Bradley. Um, those are really the only two social media platforms that I use. I don't have a YouTube account. Uh, not yet. <laughs> not yet. For cars. Not yet. <laughs> uh, the, yeah. the, the algorithm on those things really doesn't like what I do. Mm -mm. No. So it, it, it makes it hard, but you know, I'm not on social media to, to do it you know, to have a huge number of followers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I follow the AMU on there and um, that's how I 
get to see a lot of the air rifle competitions, the people that are competing, uh, match videos. You guys do interviews sometimes. I mean, it's actually really valuable and fun stuff to see. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Every once in a while we'll do, um, we'll do like little tips and tricks videos. Uh, um, we had one a while ago that was actually really fun to uh, be a part of. One of our PR, PR shooters did a, a very challenging shot. He was shooting a mini popper at, I don't know, gosh, like 50 yards with a bolt gun. And uh, so he would hit the, hit the mini popper and it would activate a toaster and throw a clay. So he would have to hit the popper, rack the bolt, and then hit the clay with the, with the bolt gun. Good Lord. That one was a challenge, but that one was actually one of the cooler ones that he got to, he got to do. That's neat. Actually, have, have you shot PRS or, or long range? I've shot long range, but not being a, like, yeah. not official. I haven't done any official long range shooting. I would like to shoot PRS at some point. Yeah. I think it would be really fun, you know, and it would also just help me become more rounded, more, yeah. more diverse. Yep. Yep. No, totally. I'm dabbling in the NRL 22 world and now I'm going to, I'll end up in PRS at some point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in the process of going to, uh, getting all the prerequisites to go to sniper school. Cool. So that'll, that'll be fun. So that's what's next for Dexter. Well, I mean, there's army schools that I'm going to try to go to to just kind of help my army career along a little bit. Like, you know, there's sniper school, airborne, air assault, um, schools like Pathfinder. Uh, there's leadership schools that you can go to. So Pathfinder is the uh, land nav school. Okay. That's pretty cool. I need that. I have no clue about that. Yeah. It, it's a very tough course, though. Like I've heard stories of people with master's degrees that can't pass it. Yeah, fun. Like, Good luck. It's a very tough school. Uh, yeah. Then you have airborne, which you know you're tied to a drag line, and you jump out of a jump out of an aircraft on a on a static line. So when you jump out, the the, the rope will actually pull your chute when you get far enough away from the plane. Huh. Okay. And then aerosol, aerosol is repelling from a helicopter. Pretty neat. You've got fun things to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, Dexter, thanks for coming on the podcast. And um, when will we see you next? What's your first match? Florida Open. That'll be oh. my first match. Like coming up. It's right around the corner. Um, I'll I'll also be at the Great American Outdoor Show coming up. Oh, nice. Okay, cool might make that might not but that'll be neat i'm glad that some of the trade shows are coming back yeah yeah um, we didn't get to go to shot show but i get to go to great american outdoor show yay, awesome. yay. <laughs> cool all right guys uh thanks for listening tune into the next episode of the radical up podcast and stay tuned thanks for listening to the radical up podcast be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on youtube Follow along on social media at Redicle Up or 3 Gen Kenzie.